0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading.
1: Acts chapter 20, here's what it says. After the uproar, and of course, they're in Ephesus, this major crowd was uh, getting on Paul and his companions about preaching Jesus, and it was stirred up by some silversmiths who were losing or going to lose major profit because the gospel was going to cause people to stop worshiping the great goddess Diana. So it says here, after the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go to macedonia now when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words he came to greece and stayed 3 months and when the jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to syria he decided to return through macedonia and sopater of berea accompanied him to asia also aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and Tychicus, and Trophimus of Asia, these men going ahead waited for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days joined them at Troas, where we stayed seven days. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, we have to stop right there and comment on this. Watch. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, let's stop right here. And the reason is because there, is, there are some folks who uh, believe that Christians, even Gentile believers, should follow the Jewish uh, model that the Sabbath, which is Saturday, clearly in a Jewish week, Saturday is the seventh day. That's the day God rested. And God told the Jews, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. It's one of the Ten Commandments. So the seventh day, Saturday, remember to do no work on that day. Well, many people impose that, that Saturday is the day that believers are not supposed to work and such. And then some would say, and this would include our brothers and sisters in the Seventh-day Adventist, that would say the seventh day is when we ought to be going to church not Sunday, it should be Saturday, and really make a case for it that I don't believe, I believe goes way beyond what the Bible is saying. But I want you to notice right here in the book of Acts, it says this, it says, now on the first day of the week, well, if Saturday is the seventh day of the week that God rested, what day is the first day of the week? Well, that's Sunday. And notice what it says. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, what does break bread mean? They're coming together for communion. They're coming together for what we would call church. And which day are they coming together? They're coming together on the first day of the week, on Sunday. Now, why would these people and even Jewish people come together on Sunday instead of Saturday? Well, there's something special about Sunday. What is it? That's the day Jesus was raised from the dead. (laughs) And so this became a custom, evidently, in the first century church, that on Sunday, doesn't mean it happened this way everywhere, but on Sunday they they would come together and they would take communion every week because this was their gathering to come together as believers. It It was what we have today. And it seemed like this was among those things that caused the tradition that we still hold today, that the primary day that believers both Catholic, Christian, all believers, come is on Sunday. But we can see that that is not an unscriptural unscriptural practice. It's right here in the book of Acts. So notice again, now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, he was among them, so he wasn't disputing This being appropriate, it says, Paul, ready to to depart the next day, which would have been Monday, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together, and in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead." But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, do not trouble yourselves for his life is in him. Seems to me like Paul raised him from the dead because the Bible says he was taken up dead. Verse 11, now when he had come up and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even until daybreak, he departed. Now, why would this service go on and on and on? Well, that doesn't mean that that's the way they always did it. But see, Paul's about to leave. He's about to depart. The, these are the last few hours with the brethren strengthening them and such. And Paul's so, uh, he's so from the heart to just give everything he's got to make sure to secure people in the faith that he would go for these long times of talking and preaching and teaching. Verse 12, and they brought the young man in alive and they were, I like the way this reads, they were not a little comforted. Isn't that funny? They were not a little comforted. In other words, they were very comforted. Verse 13. Then we went ahead to the ship and sailed to Assos, there intending to take Paul on board, for so he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. And when when he met us at Assos, we took him on board and came to Mytilene. We sailed from there, and the next day came opposite Chios, Uh, The following day, we arrived at Samos and stayed at Trogilium. The next day, we came to um, Miletus, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus. Listen to this for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, for the day of Pentecost. So, Paul's in a big hurry, so he knows. He has so many friends and disciples and such in Ephesus that he's going to get caught there if he goes there. So he sails past Ephesus. Uh, But watch this, verse 17. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. So these are the elders of the church at Ephesus. Now, of course, they're, they're going to be likely... Uh, quite a number of house churches in Ephesus, but they're still referred to as the church at Ephesus. So from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, now this discourse, this talk to the elders at Ephesus is famous and precious. So let's listen to it. How, How would these elders that love the apostle Paul so much feel When they heard Paul say these things, here's what he said. You know, from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner, and this is, this would be Asia minor. We would know it as modern, modern day Turkey. You know, from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you serving the Lord with all humility and many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Notice the Jews, the unbelieving Jews were his most fierce persecutors. Verse 20, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Notice the model. I taught you publicly like in the synagogue or uh, out where we could have a large group, but I also went house to house and taught you. Verse 21, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ or the Messiah. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulation await me. See, Paul is hearing from the Holy Spirit every city he goes to. There's somebody prophesying this, and he knows it's true, and yet he's in a hurry to get there. Why? Because he knows he's supposed to go, and he knows he'll be chained, he'll be arrested, he'll eventually make it to Rome, and he'll get to preach the gospel in Rome. How many of us would run toward adversity and persecution because there are some of the persecutors that need to hear the gospel? These are heroes in the faith. So he goes on to say, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel, uh, to the gospel of the grace of God. So I don't count my life dear. What I count dear is the accomplishment of the calling that Jesus gave me. Watch this. If that's not enough to just tear your heart out, being a disciple of this man. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves. He's talking to ministries. He's talking to elders. We would call them today pastors. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come. He's not talking about animals. He's talking about people. Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. People who, who they have an agenda. They have something they want to get out of this crowd and this gathering of believers. Savage wolves. Remember, Jesus warned about wolves in sheep's clothing. They look like believers, but inside they're ravenous wolves. For us. I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Watch this. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up. In other words, some of you leaders are going to turn. See, while the Apostle Paul would bring correction, you know, he wrote the book of Ephesians. He wrote the two books to Timothy, who was the primary pastor of the Ephesian church. And so Paul exercised apostolic authority to confront false doctrine and such. But he said, when I'm gone, who are you going to listen to? Who will you let correct your doctrines? And the flesh, people that get off and in the flesh that begin to destroy the flock. He said, not only are savage wolves type people going to come from the outside, but even some of you are going to get off doctrine and let your flesh get to you. Love of money or whatever it is, desire for power, and you're not going to spare the flock also from among yourselves will rise up. Uh, Speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves, you're going to want people to follow you instead of following the way of the Lord in the unity of the body. Verse 31, therefore watch and remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. I warned you that this would happen. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. See, Paul's decision to not take all the offerings and money that he could have to show that that was not why he was preaching the gospel to them is coming in handy. Now, when he's telling them, you know, yourselves, I did not try to take things from you. I came to serve. I worked as a tent maker. And he said, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. I didn't heal somebody and say, Hey, you owe me for that healing. No, he did it free of charge. Verse 34 Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities, in other words, tent making, and for those who were with me. I have shown you, in other words, for my staff, my team too, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Watch this. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke to them that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. Oh, wouldn't you love to see a video of that event? No doubt some of these elders are thinking, if it wasn't for you sacrificing to come to us, I mean, shipwrecks and persecution, everything, you came to us and you preached the gospel to us. And we got saved. And not only that, but God even made us elders in the church. And we have the privilege of being a part of the kingdom of God and the ministry of the Lord Jesus because of you bringing Jesus to us and for him to say, I think this is it, guys. I don't think I'll be back. I've got to finish my race with joy. You can imagine their hearts being rent by these words. And so they fell down and, and they wept on his neck. And that's the emotional side. But let's just close by focusing on the heart of Paul. That though he was in a hurry... He wanted to call the elders and have one more shot to say, keep the faith. Keep yourselves pure. Don't let your flesh and your pride cause you to pull disciples away from the church so that you, you could have them take offerings for you and make you the big cheese, the big leader. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Keep them with the flock. Keep them with the body. Stay with the other elders, the multitude of counselors. So you can be safe. Paul was a precious, precious man of God, always being selfless, thinking about the good of the people and even the good of these leaders. May we all be believers like the Apostle Paul. And may those of us who are ministers and leaders, may we be selfless, servants, genuine, God loving and people loving ministers like the apostle Paul. Thank God these things are in the Bible so that we we could have these models, these heroes in the faith who really, if you looked at them, uh, would not think much of them because Paul no doubt was a mess in terms of his physical appearance, been stoned and beaten and such. You would have thought, who's this guy? What happened to you? What happened to him is He won't stop. He's got to reach more people. Praise God. Lord, we pray that you would do this kind of a work in us, that we would not count our lives dear to ourselves, but we would be willing to sacrifice our preferences, our comfort, our lives, to win people to the Lord Jesus. May that happen in all of us, in Jesus' name.
0: Amen.